Captain Holt from the Albany Fire Department. But we're gonna get you out of here. Let's go, let's go! One, two, three! Newspaper called me twice wanting an interview. Seems I'm a hero with everybody in the world except my wife. Man, I've seen you run into a burning building to save people you don't even know, but you're gonna let your own marriage just burn to the ground. Catherine and I were in love when we got married, but today, we're two very different people. We fight more than we do anything else. A real man's gotta be a hero to his wife before he can be to anybody else. But he ain't a real man. She's probably whining to her friends. I can see them all right now having some sort of group hug. It's gonna be all right. You'll get you through this. All you need to make marriage work is a little bit of romance. And that comes from right here. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. Michael, we have an important, important episode this week. Like, normally we just kind of do a bad job, but like, I want to be clear, I tried this week. I'm going to be even more clear. We're still going to do a bad job, but that doesn't mean we didn't try. <laughs> it was time to do something new, at least. It will be different. Uh, yeah, well, in many ways, this is a return to the early days of Shitty Christians. One of our earliest taglines for this podcast was a leftist comedy podcast about the evils of capitalism and Kirk Cameron. Uh, but in truth, <laughs> we have only done one episode on The Campster. Yeah, you know, I, I think I have to admit, for such a rich text as Kirk Cameron, <laughs> yes. it was it was time to return. I, I want to read the book of Kirk Cameron all day. <laughs> so yeah, we did uh, episode three was on Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. So congratulations, everyone. Uh, Christmas is saved. I know you had some concerns during a pandemic. Was not going to be the case, but thankfully... You know, people kept saying happy holidays, and every time they did, I knew what they really meant. They well, really met Heil Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's back. He's back. You know, he saved Christmas. Now he's back to save our marriages. Zach, today we're going to be talking about Fireproof. This movie was huge. This movie uh, was a phenomenon. It was 2008... Uh, made $33.5 million on a $500,000 budget. There we go. Now, there's that capitalism, baby. 67 times its its money, roughly. It's, it is it is genuinely odd to me, given how uh, young we were once in 2008, that we did not see this movie when it came out. Yeah, I think we were just old enough to be outside of that realm. You know, we were, we were in college, or I think I may even have been cavorting about the deserts at that point. Coachella. He means Coachella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I uh, I am a Grateful Dead guy, but just for Coachella, I, I just live there all year round. <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be kind of a new a new one for us because this is not a pure flicks film. You know, we've done a couple out of the, mm -hmm. the pure flicks imprint, uh, but this actually came from this whole other weird realm of Christian movie making. Uh, and it came from Alex and Stephen Kendrick, the Kendrick brothers, the K bros. Mm, yes. Also, Kendrick Lamar, the third Kendrick brother. True yeah, story. a little little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> and they are both ordained ministers. Nice. Like all great filmmakers. Yeah, and they both attended the same church, and that church uh, decided to get into the movie game. Yes. Yeah, so Sherwood Baptist Church uh, made this movie. 
Michael, is it a common thing you'd say for a church to make a $500,000 movie? I, I mean, listen, I have had my hand in editing a fair number of youth group camp videos. So I'm going to say this is really just an extension of that. You know, you, you got to have the, the swelling Christian rock in there. You got to have the quick cuts. You got to have the, the 90s fades. But no, I would say that this is a pretty unique thing. Sherwood Sherwood Baptist is like, it's a mega church. It's not a mega, mega church. At yeah. one point, they were up to like 3,000 members. It sounds like they've shrunk a little bit since then. Uh, but one of their big ministries is getting into, heavy quotation marks ministries, is getting into TV and radio. And this was sort of an outpouring of that, where they essentially just anointed these two brothers to make a series of movies for them. And so this Man, is actually... That's a sweet gig. We can all agree. <laughs> I mean, it was a very interesting setup because, uh, one, the church actually funds the movie. All the money comes from them. Two, mm-hmm. the vast majority of the labor on this shoot is volunteers from the church. This particular okay. picture had over 1,200 volunteers involved. Having spent a little time around Hollywood, let me say that's not that different. Most movies usually involve a certain amount of free labor (laughs) already. I will say, though, I don't think most, even pretty mainstream movie sets, involve 1,200 people. Yeah, I was wondering, having watched this film, uh, what were 1,200 people doing? Not moving a car off of train tracks, from what I can tell. I think they were all just spritzing Kirk Cameron with the exact right level of sheen while he's firefighting. And I have to say, it if was that's worth what it took, it. it was worth it. It was worth it. There were only eight professional film people on the crew, and they all worked below rate. Well, except for Kirk Cameron. Let me tell you what. Well, Kirk Cameron actually did not take a salary for this picture. He did allow the church to make a donation to his camp for children, but okay. he, he did not take any money on this. Uh, similarly, the Kendrick brothers don't make any money off the actual movies. All of that profit goes back to the church, uh, which one one news article noted means that they use that $33.5 million to do things like an 80, make an 82-acre sports complex. All right, that's pretty cool. That's <laughs> is it, what is every... that cool? Is that really? Listen, we, look, look, we all remember when Mother Teresa was like, build that fucking stadium outside Calcutta. The orphans need some damn soccer. Can I just say, (laughs) can I just say, this is like, this is a real thing for like every large scale church I've ever been around. They always talk about investing in the community, but it always means let's bring the community to us. And it's hard for me not to be Epstein-brained about it. I'm sorry. It's hard for me not to do just the, like, the Twitter emoji eye whenever I see a church building yet another facility to youths. Uh, <laughs> 82 acres of, of Little St. James. I mean... It's a really unique way to make a movie. It was the highest grossing independent film of 2008, period. And in many ways, a lot of these sort of faith imprints that we have seen spring up out of major Mm. studios like fox faith Uh, all of those came in the wake of this they literally made a cottage industry based around the idea that like oh christians will watch anything it's uh it's kind of ground zero and i actually think it's a really interesting ground zero contrasting with as we'll talk about those pure flicks movies and kirk cameron's eventual return in saving christmas so uh before we get into the the text of this movie mm-hmm. the last thing that you should know is that that 33 and a half million dollars uh doesn't even really cover it because like we said the directors don't take a salary 
uh, for the movie. Uh, what they do make money on is the book. Oh, there's a book. <laughs> oh, there's a book. No, Zach, the love dare, which in many ways is, you know, the thing that keeps the plot moving in this movie, is in fact a book that they wrote, uh, which has 40 days where you, with or without the consent of your partner, do something with and or to them. That's a terrifying description. Oh, yes. No, and then, like, listen, a lot of this stuff is very, like, generally nice. Like, hey, choose not to argue today. Find something to compliment them on. You know, greet them lovingly. Like, it's it's all very, like, basic stuff, and I think we'll get into, the, like, this movie has a lot to say about marriage, uh, and specifically, I think it has a lot to say about Christian marriage. And, and I think it's very interesting that they had to make a whole movie to try to fix Christian marriage. Uh, <laughs> well, but that book has sold 4 million copies. That's an insane amount of copies. So, okay, maybe we should get into the text of this movie soon, but let me just tell you that, like, you can tell 2020 was bad because Zach walked out of this viewing experience a changed man. <laughs> Like, I was like, wow, there's a lot to talk about here. This is a really interesting movie. There's a lot of terrible stuff. There's some pretty interesting stuff. I'm excited. And Zach was just like, I loved it. <laughs> Look, not unlike Hamilton, it was a it's a flawed but riveting text. Zach's continued uh, lib affectations lurching ever closer to, uh, to right-wing affectations. <laughs> Zach. Start this movie off let's for me. Take me through Let's it. begin at the beginning. So it begins 25 years ago where an unseen mother is talking to her little girl. And yes, they're talking about how great their daddy is and blah, blah, blah. And very quickly, the little girl who will grow up to be the sort of like antagonist or sort of co-lead in our film, Catherine, who is married to Kirk Cameron's character, her... Uh, she says to her mother, I would like to marry daddy. That's yeah, that's like line two in this movie is, uh, mom, I, I want to marry dad. And this is where my third eye opens. I am like mainlining adrenochrome. <laughs> like I'm just, I just can't deal, man. Like It's so much. It's so much. And, and it like, goes on for a while. They chat about how the logistics of like, you can't marry your own father. That is the opening conversation is like, you can't marry him. I'm already married to him, which by the way, is not the fucking good reason. The little girl is negotiating. She's like, well, wh when you're done with him, can I have him? Like, <laughs> And, and very tellingly, I, I, the only reason that this scene exists is to say that, like, Catherine's dad was also a firefighter. So she did, in fact, grow up to marry her dad. I think I missed that. That's that's even more upsetting. Oh, yeah, no. That's the reason that the dad, she's like, can, can daddy come tuck me in? And she's like, no, honey. Like, daddy's fighting fires. The reason you missed it is because this is all set up with no context. <laughs> like, it is... It is an utterly bizarre way to start a movie. Just being like, by the way, two and a half decades ago, this seven-year-old had a weird fetish. <laughs> like, and so the actual like text of the film is like, Catherine, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Catherine, you wanted to marry your dad? Well, guess what, honey? Here's what you get. And it's like, listen, listen. I don't think that's actually that weird a thing for a kid to say. I do think it's a weird thing to put in a movie. No, here's the thing. I'm like, not judging any theoretical child who says this i'm judging the like 47 year old screenwriter for writing this in it yes length. who decided to open the movie with mommy i want to marry dad uh <laughs> and then the double down and then to be like okay so we talking five years ten years what are we talking about come on give me some terms 
And so then we don't know any of the characters. We can't even see them. And then we cut to opening credits. So it's already kind yep, of fever yep, dream. That's it. It's it's sort of the perfect reverse God's Not Dead because God's Not Dead introduces like 30 characters mm-hmm. before you get to like the opening credits. And uh, Fireproof introduces zero. Like, I, none of these people will screen? appear in the film again in this form. Why are they off screen? Why not just shoot a mother with their daughter if you insist on this horrible scene? Well, they, they know the first rule of DIY filmmaking which is like no kids that's that is actually true there are no they're all virtually i think i think there are no children in this movie i actually think it's very interesting that like this couple does not have kids but we'll get yeah. there all right so, so zach take we me go through. to the credits which are very reminded which are very much like small town america like water towers i mean every single christian movie starts the same way what i will say about this though that i did think was interesting is there is actually dare i say it a a certain authenticity to this movie because it was shot in in and around uh albany georgia where this church is based so like it it looks like a real small town i grew up in because it is a real small town not that far from where you grew up like because (laughs) it was made in the community that you know was shooting it so like accents like nail southern accents so much better than every hollywood movie compared to because they have actual fucking southern people talking yeah and then we we come to the the credits end and we are in the fire station where Kirk Cameron yells at a large man for screwing up. So Kirk Cameron is the fire chief, yes. right? He has a number two who is also his best friend, who is another like skinny, competent black man. Mm-hmm. And then all of the other firefighters are just their collection of large sons. <laughs> they are all they are all just they are just beefy. And I again I'm not I'm not trying to body shame, but it is just hilarious that you have like basically husband and husband duo that is running this fire station, and then their collection of like anywhere between five and eight, like large incompetent fools that they're just, just sort of i'm not body shaking they're all the exact same brand of husky so kirk cameron they've just gotten back from a call this firefighter screwed something up and abandoned uh his teammates yes. and uh his partner and everyone's super upset with him and then kirk cameron says that's why you stay with your partner you never leave your partner especially in a fire and then he looks at the camera and he goes get it <laughs> Do you get it? And I was, I, I immediately was like, "Fuck yeah, metaphor! This is this is great. They're going to be able, to, I, they're I, going to tie together his firefighting with his relationship, and I can't wait to see how these two things come together." Then we cut to Kirk Cameron's wife, Catherine. Catherine, Catherine, for the record, played by the daughter of the head pastor of the church. Really, she's good. I actually don't think that, but I want to talk about Kirk Cameron's performance in a little while. So she's like at work at a hospital. They're talking about scented candles. And then they kind of pivot from scented candles to talking about how Catherine's mom had a stroke and can't afford all these sort of various expensive medical equipment she needs. And then because this movie can't ever veer even accidentally in towards social towards socialism says that's okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's uh, it, the major problem in this movie, the thing that uh, ends up being a huge uh, amount of marital strife in this relationship and ends up being involved in the solution of all of their problems is this $24,000 medical bill for uh, a wheelchair and a hospital bed. And they, it, it's very interesting how they're just like, man, I just, I really wish there was something we could do. It is actually really tragic because I can't like uh in the wake of in the wake of bernie to be like oh we we 
we could have solved this. Or briefly, Catherine uh, looks at a hot doctor and kind of does an eye fucking. Well, okay, okay, we need to pause. You you want to power through, but one, I mean, this character's name is Mister Emotional Affair, so like. <laughs> We just put it out there immediately. Two, he's not hot. No, he's so hot. He's like <laughs> Kirk Cameron. We've talked no, about it No, he's a good-looking man. Handsome. Handsome gentleman. Uh, this doctor can hold nothing to <laughs> Kirk Cameron in any way. Uh, and so the idea... But, like, what this doctor is that I think is, like, the reason she's sort of, you know, talking to mm-hmm. him is uh, he's nice. He's so and nice. And as we will see, Kirk Cameron is not nice. <laughs> no. Uh, what I what a, the last thing I want to highlight about the scene is after she eye fucks the sort of average doctor, there is a coterie of black nurses who all kind oh, of man. who all kind of look at each other like, mm-hmm. And I, I'm oh, not trying no. to be this racist. Is... That's what happened. Screen time. I have to say, like compared to most Hollywood productions, this movie's still more diverse than most. Yeah, it uh, it certainly in terms of quantity. Now we have to arrive at quality. Well. <laughs> and that's where, like, I do think that they actually don't do the worst job of making that best friend character a character. Like, he has he has reveals. He has moments. Uh, not The same cannot be said for the sassy cadre of black nurses. No, those... Uh, who are exclusively uh, doing this black scent that I have only ever heard in other Christian movies. <laughs> no, there is like, a Christian movie was... black scent. <laughs> It is. It's this like very like over enunciated uh, thing. Every single one of them is doing a Medea impression. No. <laughs> Catherine leaves the hospital, goes and sees her father, who's a sentient pair of khakis. That's pretty much all we get from him. And her. Yeah, he, he. It's hilarious how little her family appears in the movie compared to his. But it, it is. It is phenomenal. We never get their perspective really. Partly because she goes and sits with her father, or her, excuse me, she goes and sits with her mother, who is just like comatose, borderline drooling, just a blank slate. And again, I don't know why God's Not Dead took this. Why is this a thing of Christian movies to have the like old comatose relative who's just sitting there? Like, how many of these people, uh, how many of these people are there related to Christians? <laughs> Yeah, I, I dare say that God's Not Dead actually did more with it than this movie. Well, it, had, it did something with it. It gave that person yeah, a moment it, of clarity. it wasn't a good thing. No, it was terrible. Like, exactly. Uh, where, whereas in this case, like, th- you know, if we met Mr. Emotional Affair, this is Miss Plot Point. Like, the yeah. only reason that this character exists is to create this $24,000 deficit uh, and activate Kirk Cameron to become a comrade. Oh, wait, that's not what happens. <laughs> it's not not what happens so no it's it's definitely not what happens. this scene is kind of worthless it's mostly just to establish that uh, it's got a little it's got a little sweet tea shout out uh which is pretty that's choice. true sweet tea with lemon though i do not like my sweet tea with lemon fuck off with that yeah uh okay i have a confession as, a, as someone that grew up drinking un ungodly amounts of sweet tea <laughs> in my childhood and young adult years i cannot fuck with sweet tea anymore oh, i am i am an unsweet tea all the way guy the amount of sugar mm-hmm that is involved in that and i am not i'm not anti-unhealthy food let me be clear yeah uh, i will confirm like, that yeah, Michael I just loves it. It, it just it wrecks me i have been out of the south too long i am no longer i am no longer true to my heritage no i can't uh, this is a confession here's the thing i can't do sweet tea it's just sugar water uh as good as as good as i once as much as i once loved it i can't i can't i'm too california now I, my heart does not in fact pump kool-aid anymore <laughs> yeah it can't handle it it would <laughs> 
your your heart is too weak to pump yeah I, I, it used to it does not anymore uh it's yeah. just all insulin so so let's, let's get, get this. let's get to the first interaction yes. that kirk cameron uh his cat his name in the uh, actual movie is caleb holt by the way but we're going to immediately go back to calling him kirk cameron. i don't feel like memorizing uh, his name it's, it's Kirk Cameron. Yeah, it, it won't come up again, I promise. Uh, let's get to the first yes. interaction Michael, Kirk has with his wife. Michael, paint me a picture. This is a This is insane. <laughs> this is, this is, um, uh, I don't even really know how to get it. So, like, the first words to his wife. He's home. <laughs> she's just walked into the door. She's just walked into the door from a long day at work. Mm-hmm. And he's scrounging in a cupboard. And he's like, are you planning on making a grocery trip soon? Flex. Huge flex incredible just how much vitriol Mm -hmm. he gets into those words like he's home he's been home she's the one that just walked in the door from work and he's immediately like where the fucking groceries and then (laughs) when she's like um i've been working he's like no one said you had to work full time incredible incredible flex now this is a this is like really strange because one of the things that was really confused when they're having this conversation about like husband and wife both working full time jobs, which is a big part of this movie. I assumed that there were children in the mix, and that's what was complicating this. And that's you know I'm not saying it's acceptable for him to be upset no. that his wife is working full time, but like the no one said you had to work full time, only really makes sense in the context of like a need for a caretaker. But no, they have no children. The only thing that he's complaining about is like, well, obviously all of the household chores are still your responsibility. So if you're unable to both do every single thing in this household and work your full time, like, you know, corporate job, then maybe you should work less. It, you know, it made me think of like uh, when I grew up watching the Dick Van Dyke show and Mary Tyler Moore's character doesn't have kids and is hot and just stays home thinking like what does she do all day (laughs) (laughs) aside from being attractive Um, in those pants it came it came came in a part uh, okay okay calm it down we don't need to know about your dick van dyke fantasies (laughs) no they're my mary tyler Moore fantasies get it right I think the fact that they don't have kids is extremely strange, particularly when you think when you see where he goes next with the Christmas movie and there are just thousands of children around the house. Well, I, I think so. Here's here's the thing. This movie, obviously, made for and marketed pretty much exclusively to Christians. Yeah. The book tie in is about how to be a better Uh, husband or wife and it only makes sense in the context of christianity because obviously everything is like we'll just pray your marriage yeah but this couple in this movie are not believers oh that's right which is interesting they're not saved yeah no i don't think it's interesting i think it's really gross uh because what they're doing is saying these people have a difficult marriage because there's no god in it it's not because he is an insufferable asshole <laughs> from the, minute one who is dick. somehow so patriarchal that even in the absence of like they're both doing similar levels of work he still thinks that she is 100 percent responsible for every chore in the house throughout most of the movie that's his take. why is he so it's so strange that they act like they're partakers of christian culture's bad parts and at the same time have none of the faith yeah well i mean a, a huge part of this movie is about getting wait is faith. he ben shapiro but- <laughs> <laughs> 
So they're arguing about groceries. Then she brings up that trash you've been looking at on the internet. Oh, so good. And this will be like <laughs> right up there with the um, $24,000 hospital bill. One of the major drivers of plot in this movie is Kirk Cameron's crippling <laughs> porn addiction. This entire movie is about the redemption of the Christian porn guy. I didn't know that when we picked this out. I didn't oh, realize either. we were doing a two-parter with our previous episode. And it never says the word pornography, ever. But it consistently brings up trash on the internet. And there's a very, very good late late movie scene we'll get to where Kirk Cameron fights a battle with his computer browser. It's, it's amazing. Uh, if you're done with porn, <laughs> unlike, Never, but unlike Kirk Cameron, there is one other thing that they're fighting about, and that's that he is saving a third of his salary to buy a boat. Yes. So, so as it turns out, he has saved $24,000 hmm, for a boat. <laughs> And she mentioned, she's like, well, you're just saving all your money for that boat. And he's like, hey, if you want to spend your money on caring for your sick mother, that's your decision. <laughs> I've wanted this boat for years. He, pays, he, he, he says his boat is a need. And if she wants to spend her money on once, that's oh, fine. Yeah. She's like, hey, there are things that we could do around the house. We need better landscaping. We need new curtains. And he's like, those are wants, not needs. <laughs> Which is basically saying his boat is a need. And I love that so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a boat guy. Like He's one of Trump's beautiful boaters. Exactly. He has got he's got the flag wrapped around him at all times. Uh, he he doesn't put out any fires uh, if a socialist lives inside the home. Like, <laughs> uh, like he is absolutely a beautiful boater. Uh, but but right now he's just a prospective beautiful boater, mm, aspiring beautiful boater. <laughs> this movie says a lot of things loudly, but it also says a lot of things quietly. Yeah. And one of the things it says quietly is that their marriage is trouble because they haven't combined their finances. Mm -hmm. The fact that like they both have their separate bank accounts and it's his money and her money means that like their marriage has an issue yeah so those are the things they fight about but zach tell me how this fight plays out because who oh boy kirk cameron is shrieking there is spittle flying off his lips and he is like he is going to 11 and i actually think it's really good <laughs> he is like a total fucking monster and i buy it the entire time like he made me cringe but it also i have to be honest with you felt a little real that he is such a monster and he cares only about himself and that is actually communicated very clearly not just through the text but through his performance he is like actually doing some damn acting here I think that, you know, as we talked about this being a movie about the Christian porn guy, but this is also a movie about like white male rage. Yes. I mean, the intensity of this argument, dude, is wild. Like, I have never in my life had a fight in my marriage that is this level of intensity. I have had lots of fights about much more serious things, but yeah. never. I mean, shrieking. He's like, in her face he's slamming the wall behind yeah. her i mean this is like he corners really her at one intense point. she gets scared yeah and it depicts it really well i kind of felt like it was this is basically who's afraid of virginia wolf let's be real kirk cameron in this movie is the guy from taxi driver like, yes Travis he is Pickle. a sociopath he's got a little bit of a uh, patrick bateman in him except mm -hmm. like none of patrick bateman's cool 
Like, right, but there's a Patrick Bateman level of self-obsession in this character. And mm-hmm. it is the story of him growing out of that. But man, it starts it at the craziest part. I don't know how any single person could watch this movie and not be like, well, this is emotional abuse. Fuck this guy forever. Like, the fight ends with him going out to beat up a trash can because he is so filled with rage that he has to enact violence on the world around him. And that becomes a recurring motif. <laughs> until until it's directed correctly, Michael. I was really expecting the laziness of when I, when we watched uh, For Camera Saving Christmas, where yeah. there are no villains. He just like sits in a car and tells a guy he's being a dick. And then there's like some dancing. But, like, Kirk Cameron is coming in being, like, I'm going to win the Christian movie Oscar. I am going to, like, push my wife against a like, my, my actor wife against a wall. Interestingly, he, he actually, not unlike the kiss scene we'll get to at the end of this movie, he demanded that his real life be, uh, you know, in this scene for him to abuse because, you know, <laughs> Christian marriage covenant. I think it's... <laughs> I think probably this movie doesn't obviously realize how abusive he's being, but it, like I, I have to be honest, I was immediately kind of gripped by just like how much they did it. So many Christian movies pull their punches uh, for people unless they're their uh, left-leaning villains who are getting abortions, but like they, they're not pulling the punches with this guy. I do agree with you that Kirk Cameron is bringing everything that his meager acting potential has got to this role. I do think Kirk Cameron is trying really hard. And I do think he embodies rage really well. Hmm. But I also, I think that you're giving it way too much credit in terms of like, oh, it went there. Because at every other moment, this movie pulls every punch. Like it won't even say porn. Like it won't even like (laughs) engage truthfully with how much of a selfish hassle he's being it will depict him as an absolute monster but it will never call him an actual monster it will only call him a man in need of saving so like there is a depiction i agree with you the depiction is very intense but i do think that the movie is what it's trying to do is cast this wide net I think both of these characters are supposed to exist as archetypes rather than characters. Yeah. They're supposed to be like, here are the things that men are like toxic about or like care about in marriage. We'll get to the respect thing because that's a huge one. Oh, but man. like, it's a catch-all. So it's it's money and porn and uh, ladies not, not cooking. Like, so these are the things that men get upset about in marriages. And, and then for women, it's, well, he doesn't listen and he's not helpful. And like... You know, it, it's doing these really archetypal things because it's trying to mm. sort of like gather them all in so that everyone can watch this movie and see something they've struggled at in their marriage. Yeah, and it's definitely both sides again. But in doing so, he just becomes this avatar of every shitty element of every marriage. And immediately you watch the scene and you cannot think anything other than like, get out, get out, lady, get out. <laughs> Please, God, no one deserves this. Like, you're not the one slamming him up against walls or slamming walls behind him. Like, get out of there. Yeah, it it never, it definitely thinks that these two are kind of the same level of fucked up. And it never comes across that way. It comes across that, like, she is trying to deal with a hard situation and that he has a pile of bodies somewhere. Yeah. It was a genuinely shocking moment. The amount of, like, emotional and, and to a certain extent physical violence portrayed on screen was just like, whoa. These people should get divorced immediately. <laughs> Where does it go from there? So then we get Kirk Cameron pumping iron. He's got a hard body. I dig it. Uh, it's so good because he's never pump- pumping very much iron. Uh, but like he you is- can tell, 
Kirk Cameron is not about cultivating mass. Like Kirk Cameron is here for tone. <laughs> but he constantly works out in this movie. I respect oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're firefighters, and so that's that's they're they're all hanging out in the gym. We spend a huge amount of time just following around Kirk Cameron doing fireman things. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and so he is he is pumping iron with his with his best friend, and Third Day is mm-hmm. playing in the background, and he is yes. Uh, by the way, yeah. I immediately called that this was Third Day, and uh, then paused and the, popped up the song on you know the little Amazon <laughs> thing, and it was just I. I was just like, I knew it. I have spent a lot of time, my life, listening to Third Day. So I was like, yeah, awesome. And he basically, Kirk Cameron's still filled with rage. And he is like, why don't I get respect at home? <laughs> yes, this is a, she doesn't respect me. doesn't respect me. And he, he never says, because I'm an asshole <laughs> who is in no way worthy of respect. He's just so furious that he is not being respected. And by the way, respect in this context, I think, means letting me do what I want and doing all the chores yeah, for me. Deference is, I think, what he actually expects. Yeah, yeah. Submission, which we'll get to. The best friend basically says, you know, like a woman's like a rose, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, He also has the worst metaphor in this whole movie, which is full of tortured marriage metaphors. (laughs) He says that treadmill's not broken, but if you don't know how to run it, it's not going to work for you. To which I simply have to ask, who doesn't know how to operate a treadmill? (laughs) Kirk Cameron. You are in a gym. You are surrounded by better metaphors. (laughs) <laughs> on all sides <laughs> there there was a great chance for a nordic track reference oh, here man. well they couldn't this is, they they wrote it in but they couldn't get the sponsorship so then we go back to fight number two yeah fight number two what happens in fight number two michael so in fight number two uh he, kirk cameron has returned back home and he he does two things one he blows out a candle this will come up again <laughs> and two he angrily he like he's looking in the fridge and Catherine comes in and he goes i see you left me no pizza (laughs) (laughs) i will say that's a pretty douchey thing to do to your partner eat pizza Uh, not give the pizza so she sort of brings up she's like i assumed you would be working and you did not communicate that you would be home and therefore i should save you some pizza and he is just like shaking the pizza box at her like you know this is this is honeymooners at this point why i oughta like it's just do you hear the half empty ranch cup inside of this box (laughs) there's not even a garlic knot uh and then she hits him with more references to his porn addiction you waste time on the internet with that trash you care more for your boat and pleasuring yourself than you ever did for me this guy is such a weirdo that, like he is just sitting around looking at both the titties. Yeah, it's um, it's super good. And this is the moment where she says, "I want a divorce." Which shout outs, Catherine, go off, Queen. Yeah, we support you. You need to get out of this abusive relationship. No person should ever be this angry over an empty pizza box, and that includes me, a man who has eaten, I don't know, generations worth of terrible pizza. Yeah, they do. They they kind of get it out of the way pretty quick. Well, I mean, the the whole point is about winning her heart back. That's right. It's the premise. So, yeah. So, she wants a divorce. She takes off her ring and throws it in a drawer. And they're sleeping in separate bedrooms. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's sort of how the second fight ends. He goes back outside Mm -hmm. and goes back to the trash can. 
and starts just... beating it even harder while calling it Catherine and spitting on it. <laughs> and only some of that is false. <laughs> I, uh, I will say they do a classic thing here of having a very old neighbor sort of drolly look on. And, oh, and I it, love the neighbor. The neighbor's legitimately funny. His like yeah, sort of the, dead the neighbor reactions. The comedy, like this, this film tries to put a lot of comedy in. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the only truly successful part. There's some likable performances, especially when you keep in mind that the vast majority of the actors in this thing are just church members. Uh, yeah, but but the old man who is watching Kirk Cameron rage uh, is by far my favorite. <laughs> And so far, at least, he is just deadpan him. He's just watching Kirk Cameron destroy a trash can and then cry as he hugs it. <laughs> All right, so now we're back to the firehouse. Zach, take me through this. So we're back to the firehouse, and his best friend is like, as we've who we've talked about, is with his wife, and they're just like having a cute time talking about having a hot date, blah blah blah. What kind of oh, date yeah. are we gonna have? It's gonna be hot because life's too short for any other kind of date. And That's right. And, and we see Kirk Cameron sort of around the corner listening to this because that's oh the yeah kind he's of eavesdropping on is. his friend's marriage being like why are they so happy uh there's yeah. also uh, there's a prank guys get it. there's there's this super cool prank guys it's hilarious uh where one of the new recruits who's trying to become a fireman is asked to get a hose stretcher get it because like <laughs> hoses don't stretch so like that's funny it's a funny it turns joke. out he's the host stretcher, which oh yes, that feels like a euphemism. To be honest, I don't know. I you may totally be right that that's just getting a little homophobia in the old evangelical space. Uh, to me, I was like, that's the best burn in this movie. Like, I could totally see some <laughs> Canadian uh, dude just being like, "Yo, host stretcher." Okay, that's pretty good. So yeah, then we have a cross cutting sort of almost montage-esque moment where both this was maybe the first and only moment of actual filmmaking in this movie it's pretty good because kirk is complaining about his terrible marriage and everything that's happening with that and she is complaining to her sassy back black friends about all of his flaws Oh, yeah. So they're both complaining about each other, and it's cutting back and forth as if it's one conversation. Uh, yeah. So she's with her, like, gaggle of gals at the Chili's mm -hmm. happy hour. Why she's choosing this very public setting to talk about the dissolution of her marriage is maybe a little strange. Uh, and he's chatting it up with his best friend, but it just sort of goes back and forth and back and forth about all of their, like, issues. There's one good joke when basically she says he never listens and then he goes she says i never listen or something like that yeah i can tell that right now she's talking to her girlfriend saying i never listens and it cuts to her being like and he never listens uh i just think it's it's very funny to have them both list their issues with this marriage and hers are largely legitimate and his are exclusively not it, <laughs> like... it, it definitely is a movie that i don't think the one of the things the movie doesn't realize is that it has a villain and a victim not yeah and, two and the villain is the protagonist her. yeah it, it, it definitely thinks they're both kind of equally weighted in this difficult thing. So then exactly. we get to what I think is the most insane scene in this movie. Oh, this is so good. Secretly. So we have 
two young women random teenagers yeah random two young women sitting in a car listening to third day they're they're also listening to third day this is my favorite part of the movie we this movie takes place in an alternate universe where the only music that exists is the 90s christian contemporary uh 70s revival throwback christian rocker worship band third day and it's unequivocally good. I, I love that dude's voice, which is like such a cross of like butt rock meets, se- like you said, 70s revival. It's so good. Okay, so these two teenage girls are in this car and yeah. two dudes roll up and they're like, let's go to the pizza barn. And the girls are like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, let's race no, yeah. to the pizza barn. And then and if- the guys would say, let's race. No, that's never happened. Uh, no, see, I watched this and I was like, this is an authentic understanding of how Christian teenagers think fun happens. <laughs> like, I'm not saying they do this. I'm saying that they would watch this and be like, yeah, that'd be a good time. And what I love is I immediately knew where this was going to go. Because then... Oh, of course. Because then we cut to a pretty dope action sequence. Michael, what happens? We go to the firehouse no, and they're scrambling. I think, I think you're going to have to take us through the sequence because you were far more enamored of it than I am. So I think you are the man to lead us through. That's true. I am the Kirk Cameron of this podcast. I've always said that. <laughs> and you... I, I am your sassy black friend. <laughs> Nothing problematic about that at all. You have the good marriage I'm always talking to you about for asking you about for advice. <laughs> I, all those hot dates, baby. So... <laughs> So, we go to the firehouse. There's an emergency. They scramble. They get in their fire trucks. There is, I want to talk about after this scene, the fire, the, the, the firefighting. But it's pretty good. They're getting in actual fire trucks. They're drills. They're talking to dispatch. And they're driving to the train tracks. Because, as it turns out, with the race, they ended up getting in an accident on their way to the pizza barn. Which always happens. And yeah, no, listen, Pizza Barn is clearly code for some sort of, you know, uh, drug house. Obviously, these kids were, were up to something nefarious. But yeah, so we, we come across this totally wrecked and totaled car with one unconscious girl and one screaming girl inside of it. Tons of onlookers gathered around. And oh, by the way, it's on the train tracks. So good. And so what I actually did appreciate is they had a real wrecked car. There's no CGI shit. They did this practical. When I heard that this movie was being made with all volunteer labor, all donated sets, mm-hmm. all this fire equipment that they have just free use of, I was like, okay, not that it's hard to spend half a million dollars making a movie, but where did they spend it? And and this is the answer. They spent it on these, these firefighting scenes. And in all of the marketing for the movie, they call it an action-packed love story which puts a really interesting spin on it and i love that it worked for you zach because this is the one for them moment like they know that they are asking men to sit down (laughs) and watch a movie about marriage and about you know being Mm -hmm. a better guy so they knew they needed to do something to draw them in and that's why all of the marketing is it's about selling these scenes this is this is the high octane action that's going to keep the guys in the seats while they're learning what terrible men they are True. I see. Uh, techno lies. And so uh, the they need to, the they're stuck in the car. They need to get the spreader. The two girls are stuck in the car and the firemen need to get the spreader to pull them out. However, there's a twist. A train is bearing down on them as we speak and they have to get the car off the tracks. 
but the car is stuck on the tracks. And so Kirk Cameron, his best friend, and several firefighters, they can't even drag it. They don't have time. They can't get a hold of the train. They can't stop it. And so they have to physically lift the car off the tracks. And as they do so, the train is bearing down. It's a real scene with real tension. And they get the car just off. And as they get off, it, the train knocks the hat off the best friend, but everyone's okay. Whew. Tension. Tense. Uh, I think you you uh, missed my favorite part, which is when a, a bevy of diverse characters from around them who were all watching as onlookers helped them move the car. And, and this isn't just like a bunch of random people. This is like a Marine in his camo gear and a businessman <laughs> with a briefcase and a black the person. Ki- all the kinds of people there are. All the kinds of people that this movie cares about. And yeah, the black person has no other distinguishing characteristics like the white people did. He's just the black guy. The racial politics of this movie, to shout out uh, one of our favorite other podcasts like Kino Lefter, are just like trolls. I think you're right to say, Zach, it is moderately effective as an action scene. I think now might be the time to talk about how obsessed with firefighter ephemera this is. So I think it becomes clear that... Because they had all this access to this fire department and their equipment and firefighters, they got really into the idea that this is a Mm -hmm. firefighting movie. This isn't just a marriage movie. This is a marriage and firefighting movie. And so, like, you see every step of this process. I mean, I'm talking, like, they're gearing up. They're using all the, like, proper technical lingo. They're, like calling out the right dispatches as they go. And you can just tell that all of these church volunteers and Kirk Cameron are just tickled pink to be cosplaying as firefighters with a certain amount of verisimilitude. And like, they really get like, he goes through the dialogue of talking to the accident victim and like telling her what's happening in the way that a first responder does. And they marketed this movie to first responders and encouraged churches when they would buy out a whole theater, they'd be like, Hey, give free tickets to firefighters and policemen. We want first responders here. Like this was all part of the thing of like drawing people in. But I will say as much as that can seem sort of manipulative or even just like sort of cynical, it does land a certain amount of verisimilitude to the whole like experience that like is hard to put in any movie, much less a Christian movie being made for 500k. Talk about the second action sequence when we get there. But like, it actually the fire I like part of it is that I have a certain affection for firefighting material because I think it's a really interesting world and there's not a lot of firefighter movies or shows outside of Dennis Leary, which is just unfortunate. We're not we're not getting into Dennis Leary on this <laughs> podcast right now. Uh, I will say the one thing that they absolutely could not nail was the sense of the train approaching. It felt like it was very much out of sequence. So like the train would be bearing down on them and then the, the next second it would be like 500 yards back. Like the train's just teleporting around the tracks. Yeah, that, that, that is true. But look, I only expect so much from my Christian movies. And having a scene with clear stakes and tension... The last thing I'll say is that this sequence ends with uh, one of the best 80s war movie cries. Oh, it's so good. Or action movie cries. Like when his best friend thinks that he's going to die because he's so close to the train. He's just like, Rawr! like it's a really <laughs> like you got you got to love a Rambo moment in a firefighter movie. So after this happens, we have the best friend sitting down and praying. And Kirk Cameron comes over and is basically like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. What, what, what is this thing you're doing with your hands? Is this a gang sign? I don't understand. 
we have this like southern guy being like what's christianity it's very funny then kirk cameron goes to visit his parents after this near-death experience and so while he's there he is basically kirk cameron spends six to seven minutes complaining about how terrible his wife is oh yeah this is like the first rule of relationships right like you don't shit talk your partner to your parents because you might get over it but they're never going to and then his mom tries to say something and he is just like shut up mom i want to talk to my dad alone it's really intense this is like i could not believe how intense this is in this movie is that like he is a total dick to his mother and you realize like oh he's not just an abusive partner like this guy must be a misogynist like oh it's definitely a a movie about a man who hates women Oh, yeah, again, aggrieved white men is, like, the thesis of this thing. Like, like functionally, Kirk Cameron is a fucking incel at this point. Like, he is just, like, his mom is like, she's a good woman. He's like, shut the fuck up, mom. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's <laughs> it's that level of intensity. Yeah, no, I, 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 from, like, a man who's, like, in his mid-30s, it's a really intense take. One I- of the theses that I do agree with in this movie is that most 30-year-old married men have the emotional intelligence of a 14-year-old, so... That's true. And verisimilitude, like we talked about. So he goes on a walk with his dad, and his dad is basically like, hey, you need Jesus. And then, I swear this is true, a cross fucking is just there. There's just a oh, cross. Oh, yeah, it just appears. It's a cross. <laughs> it just wanders into the frame. <laughs> like It's just it's a so giant strange. wooden cross. And they, they put a lampshade on it. They're like, uh, where'd this cross come from? I don't know. I think there was a summer camp here at some point. And so uh, Kirk Cameron's like, I don't need none of that, Jesus. So his dad basically says, fine, whatever. Hold off on your divorce for 40 days. I have something I want you to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. send you some mail about how to do it. And it's like, dad, I'm right here. Could you just give it to me? His dad's like, no, I'm going to send dad, this to you Dad, in do you have name. a PDF? <laughs> dad, please. <laughs> dad, my marriage is falling apart. Please don't make me wait for the postal service. It's already been defunded. We couldn't defund the cops, so we got the postal service. Yeah, his his dad uh, is asking Kirk Cameron, like, what do you want? And Kirk Cameron's like, I just want peace. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. You have never advocated for peace in this relationship. You want dinner. That's what you want, bitch. Like, what What the fuck is this peace business coming yeah, from? Yeah, you, you demand groceries. You demand, like, that's what you demand. Yeah. So Kirk Cameron's dad sends him, you know, papyrus uh, that he, he hand wrote out over a period of weeks. On steamship exactly and the thing that he ends up sending kirk is in fact the book that these directors wrote it's called the love dare 40 days of thing of that can save your marriage and so they put the book that they wrote into the movie as the thing that will go on to continue to drive basically the rest of this plot you know what that is that's some incredible disney style like marketing yeah, no, I mean, we, we can shit on these guys, I think, legitimately for, like, doing this kind of thing. But, like, oh, yeah. I, I actually, I don't know. The point of this movie isn't entertainment. The point of this movie is to use entertainment in order to do the thing that it wants to do, which is evangelize. Uh, well, and, and make money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, yeah, it's stated goal of evangelism. It's practical goal maybe a little more complicated. So, then... He goes home waiting for his father to 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 send him Braille, I assume. Yeah. And we go back to the wife and not hot doctor sidles up to the wife and they flirt about white coats. 
it was funny for me only because as we recently discussed last episode which are with our christian youtubers like christians don't know how to flirt and this movie just makes that abundantly clear hey listen yeah that was me too right there with you buddy <laughs> uh kirk cameron is back to talking to his best friend saying like we got to get divorced this isn't gonna work best friend does another incredible metaphor about salt and pepper Real quick, because mm-hmm. we're not going to have time to cover them all, just assume that in between every scene we do discuss, there is another scene of firefighter hijinks. Like, in between <laughs> these two scenes, and I'll just briefly mention it, there is white boy firefighter dancing in the bathroom, at which point two black firefighters mock him. That's the whole scene. White boys be dancing. Uh, they're, and they're just so much husky dancing. So salt and pepper. Tell me, tell me about salt and pepper. He says salt and pepper because Kirk Cameron is complaining. My wife and I were different. We can't be together. So we're incompatible. Best friend takes salt and pepper, says these are different, but they're always together. Glues them together and then hands them to Kirk Cameron who wants to split them apart. And then he tells Kirk Cameron, if you pull them apart, one or both of them will be broken. Yeah. So this man is the king of the bad metaphor, but this is maybe the, his first truly toxic metaphor. Incredible. Like the idea that like divorce will break one or both of you. And it's like, well, like, listen, nobody here is saying that like divorce is like a thing that you should want your marriage to end in. But there are plenty of very good reasons where divorce is by far the healthiest option. And Christian's inability to accept <laughs> that some people just need to get the fuck out of their toxic, abusive, bad marriage is really fucking frustrating. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Christians have never been a divorce they liked. I love this scene too because it ends with uh, Kirk Cameron pulling rank on his best friend, so being like, "I allow you to speak freely most of the time, but you better watch yourself." <laughs> and it's just like, "Whoa!" The racial politics of this movie somehow got even more complicated. I think what's amazing about that is it really is like he has an, Kirk Cameron's character has an inability to have a relationship with anyone. His mom his his best friend it's 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 all toxic for kirk cameron's character oh yeah well i mean again this guy is taxi driver like he can't have a relationship with anyone he can't be a person like none of those things are open to him he's broken he's a broken shell of a man (laughs) Uh, so then we go back we go back to kirk cameron's house and this is maybe about the first time that i noticed that this you know early millennial couple or late millennial Mm. couple have the house of a I don't know, octogenarian. It definitely vibes grandma. Oh, it's, it is 100%. I guarantee you, I don't know this, but I know this because I am in this movie's brain <laughs> in the matrix of fireproof. Like I, I can see what's going to happen before it happens. And I, so I know, I know in my heart of hearts that this is one of the elders homes because it's like, it's big in an unnecessary way, the way that like a late 50s person who has raised children and now just has a big ass home for no reason is. And it's in this like boring suburb that no one like young would ever want to live in. And it just it just vibes. It's brick. It's got all that red brick. There's like It's a place with like floor de lis on its wallpaper. Oh, 100 percent. It, it, it has wallpaper. Yeah. Like so. Kirk Cameron is back in an octogenarian's home and he gets finally gets his mail from his dad. And so what is this book that he gets from his father? So one, this is a leather bound handwritten journal. 
because you know Mm -hmm. when men pass wisdom to other men it's got to be coated in dead animal carcass or how would you even know (laughs) that it's valid and like it is I, I know a little bit too much about leatherworking because my wife is a crafter. This is whole hide. This is like a very thick, oh, wow. roughshod leather. And inside, his dad has carefully scrawled in perfect cursive a 40-day challenge. Love Challenge 2020. Which we'll be, we will be doing on the pod between me and Michael very soon. A list, day by day, of one thing to do and one thing to think about. Yep. And so day one is don't say anything negative. That's it. And so we see Kirk Cameron complaining to his wife about not doing his dry cleaning. And when she is like, I'm a person who is not your slave, he just walks away without saying anything. And that. Yeah. So instead of emotionally abusing her, he just like does a little silent air hissy fit at her (laughs) behind her back. So, yeah, one, it's the challenge is don't say anything negative to your partner. And the first thing he says is, I thought you would would get the dry cleaning done. Which I feel Which, like counts as failing. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's amazing that even as he's trying to not be an asshole, he opens up with the same demanding, please do all my household chores for me. And she points out, she's like, you've had two days off. I thought you would have handled this yourself. He was too busy watching pornography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was too busy just watching, not masturbating. They would never acknowledge that. Just, just staring at it. <laughs> I, just, I, I just taking it in. That's my favorite scene. All right, so. Uh, so he has this like air rage thing behind her. But this Keep is going, considered so. a step. Yeah, yeah. This is this is him trying. So his next challenge is do one kind act. And so he... Yeah, one unexpected gesture of love. So he pours her coffee in the morning, and she's like, bitch, I don't have time for coffee. And then he has another violent outburst at the coffee maker. (laughs) Then he he pours out the coffee and the rest of the pot because he's so angry that she didn't have time for the coffee. Also, his act of love, his unexpected gesture of care is pouring liquid in a cup. He didn't even add cream and sugar. Hero, Hero slash genius. Uh, I wanna, <laughs> this, I wanna... this really betrays. No, go for it. Why does he do this? Like, why doesn't he just say "fuck off, Dad"? He has to be following the steps because without that, there is no movie. Now, in the context of this, you know, this character, I think he is been sort of badgered into it. Like, it, they make it very clear that he's he's going through the motions, but he's not really trying Mm. he is basically because his dad like bullied him into it that's the only reason like all good change so day three he negs a florist day three is buy your wife something nice and he calls a florist he doesn't even go to a florist he calls a florist then haggles with the amount of money he's like 45 dollars. that's way too much (laughs) for my two two incomes no kids household (laughs) What about a little bear? Ah, forget the little bear. What about a chocolate? Oh, that's too much. You got any smaller chocolate? Like, it's a whole scene of him being an asshole to a service worker. <laughs> uh, He's the worst person. I, he ends up getting basically six wilted flowers and, mm-hmm. like, one piece of chocolate, and that's his act of love. That's his buying buying his wife something nice. She comes home and is just like, uh, okay. <laughs> 
So Husky Firefighter number six uh, is giving... Yeah, is, God, I really... I'm pretty sure they keep switching them out. I, I couldn't tell them apart. I think this guy's name is Wayne, but that's 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 not important. He is being... I think all of their names are Wayne. It's Fight Club. <laughs> the problem is... So Wayne, we're going to call him Wayne, is just being sassy, talking about how he's the man. And so Kirk Cameron... He, he He's the big boss. Yeah, I'm the best firefighter. Which I didn't know they had rankings for that kind of thing. It makes sense, though. And so Kirk Cameron is like, all right, let's do it. And he pulls out two bottles of hot sauce and Kirk Cameron drinks his in like 20 seconds. And then the challenge, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Wayne has to drink his hot sauce. If you're a real man, you chug hot sauce. And there's like a whole thing where like this is clearly something they've done before because he's signaling to his second in command to bring the bottles. Like this is something they have on lock ready for any moment where any person tries to step a little outside their rank. He's like, all right, motherfucker, you think you're a good firefighter? Chug hot sauce? <laughs> uh, it's just more hijinks. And then the final kicker is that Wayne storms off because he can't, or rushes off because he can't take the heat, literally. And then uh, they're like, how did you do that, Kirk Cameron? You're a golden god. And then Kirk Cameron's like, it's filled with tomato juice. Wah, wah. Uh, by the way, I called this immediately as well, down to the juice that was used. I'm telling you, I live in the fireproof brain. Yeah. This is not a compliment. This is a cry for help. The la- you, you lathe of heaven, this movie. I'm pretty sure it didn't exist. That's why yeah. I enjoyed it so much. So let's move forward. We ha- He is sitting at his computer in the middle of the day. <laughs> and he is, we can, he's like clicking furtively on his screen. And we can only see him, not what he's looking at, but he looks sort of like nervous, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so he, so this is Kirk Cameron watches porn at noon on a Wednesday. I gotta say, it's creep. It, it, it like does nothing. He is not masturbating. He is not like, and seeming to enjoy himself. He's looking at it the way that like other dudes look at, I was gonna say stock stuff, but that's only because I don't give a shit about stock stuff. There's plenty of people that are very like invested in stock stuff. It's like me watching a Marvel movie. It's just like, <laughs> yep, this is a thing that is playing across my eyes. I have no investment in it, but it is happening. So I want us to ask, Michael, what kind of porn does Kirk Cameron in this movie watch? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Uh, by the way, one of the comments I got on a previous episode is like, y'all seem to know a lot about porn. <laughs> Okay, here's what I want to say. We're podcasters. Like Sherlock Holmes, we you have to have certain realms of knowledge that are relevant to your profession. You know, Sherlock Holmes yeah. knew about various clays in Britain. We know about various pornographic uh, sub-communities. Listen, sometimes when you stare into the vaginal canal, it stares back at you. <laughs> okay. All right. What's he watching? Okay. I have no idea what kind of porn uh, Kirk Cameron watches. I think there's there's two options here, right? One, it is the so depraved <laughs> and so upsetting <laughs> that like it's not even it's not even sexual. It's just like deer getting hit by buses. Like it's just it's just it is yeah. Pure it's, it's it's Reddit's hurt violence. kids. You know, it's just I think I think that is probably the most likely. You know that he the U.S. still has obscenity laws on the books. And there actually have been in the last decade a few people prosecuted for these things, which become just sort of medical in nature at a certain point. And I think that's most likely. However, I also think it's extremely possible he is just scrolling through the Victoria's Secret website. 
Yeah, th- that's what I was going to say is the other version of this is that he's just looking at like a Kmart catalog from 1993. <laughs> Kathy, the Kathy Ireland sort of collection. <laughs> he, he saw a sports bra once in a in a Sears and that was that was it for him. I think those are the two options. So she walks in. She immediately clocks him. Yeah. Like, again, his dick isn't out. He's just surfing the Internet, keeping it extremely normal. <laughs> and she's immediately like, so did you clear your browser history? Amazing. And that they yell at Oh, he's not even in a bedroom, by the way. Like he's in the living room. He's on a desktop in the family. In front of a window. He's in front of a window. Why is why is this entire movie shot at noon? Okay, so she comes home and is immediately like, You've been staring at the pornographies again. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's super mad. She's like, this is why I don't trust you. Like, you know why I don't respect you? Because when you're alone, this is what you default to. Yep. That's a pretty good line. I'm just going to say it. Well, it, it is, but it also speaks to this like Christian. I've heard this a thousand times that like anything you do in private is the only true measure of your character. Oh, yeah. And I actually think that's a really toxic understanding of character. Like, I, I do think I do think that like what you do when no one's watching does matter. Like, I, I think that is a component. But actually, what you go into the world and do and how you care for the people around you and the things that you go and do, like, for others when you're not alone in your room matters a lot, too. That is also part of your character. And Christianity constantly wants to make it about, like, your spiritual walk is essentially defined by your internet browser or by the things you do in your home. Whatever issues you struggle with there, that's your walk. And I actually think that that is a hugely wrong focus. Not that like your heart and spirit don't matter, but one of the best ways to move forward from that shit is to get out of your room and go try to help people. And and this form of Christianity is never concerned with that. It, it literally wants to fight this battle exclusively on whether or not you open an incognito tab. Yeah, no, I think that's actually really, really, really true. Um, so blah blah blah. He calls his dad back and is like, "This is bullshit." Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's done with the challenge because she caught him watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, bro, this was your fuck up. She has made it very clear that this makes her feel unloved and uncared for. You'd have not respected that boundary. You don't get to then be done with her. Like, I love that. So I yeah, you can't like take a day off watching your noon pornography. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she his morning constitutional pornography. So then we find her with maybe what the movie considers her flaw. She is lunching with Hot Doctor. Yep. Uh, not Hot Doctor specifically. But yes, I think the movie is very clearly drawing an equivalency here that this doctor is in fact her pornography, which is hilarious for a couple reasons. One, because she should be divorced <laughs> and probably seeing this guy prior to whether or not we know his character because of course this guy doesn't get to just be a normal dude that would bring some nuance to it he has to secretly be a villain too so now we go back to kirk cameron talking to best friend and best friend is like you gotta study her man you need to get a phd in her so go make her dinner and go all out now this exists in a world where no one talks about anything but their marital problems all day long Every Christian movie fails, fails the Bechdel <laughs> test, but for whatever issue that they're trying to deal with. And he, he points out something interesting here. He says, you know, when you're trying to woo a woman, you get to know her and you study her. Uh, I think studying your partner is actually a really bad term. I think caring for and getting to know somebody and caring mm-hmm. about them 
you will absolutely learn about them. But studying doesn't imply communication, which is one of the really weird things is that throughout this whole movie, I mean, he's doing this challenge functionally without her knowledge or consent. Like he never says like, hey, I know I fucked up, but like, I am going to try to like win your heart or care for you or like, I, I want to work on this. Like he doesn't say that. He just starts doing random shit and then getting furious her with her when she doesn't appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it. as one does. Like studying, studying is clinical. Studying is mm -hmm. one-sided. Like studying is not actually the thing that we need. So, but anyways, I'm going to skip ahead. There's more firefighter hijinks. Just know uh, it involves more husky men talking about how great they are all of these are bad scenes but they they end up being very likable so I, I, I love my large sons like i love my bevy of large sons i want the movie where it's just like <laughs> kirk cameron and his uh best friend are in a civil <laughs> partnership uh and they are just caring for their their house of large sons it's like actually, it's just it's I, a better I think it'd be movie a fun movie uh, a movie where they just go around like saving yeah. people and drinking hot sauce come on who doesn't love that it's actually yeah. very come on in, in a stupid way yeah, it shouldn't be, but it, it kind of win, wins you over by the fifth, <laughs> sixth, or seventh time they're doing something. And so then we come to the candlelight dinner. He has made her a dinner. He is finally trying. Yeah, he, he quote-unquote goes all out, which seems to mean a candle and a tablecloth. <laughs> Food, but sure, technically yeah. on a plate. So she comes in, and this is actually pretty good. He's like, oh, I'm trying. And she's like, Cause because she doesn't understand, like you identify what's happening or going on. Uh, she's like, this is what terrible, and why are you acting this way? And then he responds poorly, and she just says, I don't love you, and storms out. Yeah, and like, here's the point where I'm going to say, she is always very upfront yeah. about where she's at emotionally. She's telling him what she wants. And like, I'm not saying that people who are having trouble in their marriage shouldn't try to fight to improve it, but I am saying like, this woman is communicating a need, and this whole movie is about you ignoring that it's need. It's delegitimizing like, that need, actually. You being like, nah, nah, I'm not going to respect that. I've been an unmitigated asshole to you for years, but now that I'm trying, the fact that you want out, that will never be given respect, because that's always the wrong choice. And that's the thing that about this movie, as much as it will like lecture you about getting saved, and like be very explicit in a lot of its themes. There's also a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that it never says. It just assumes and it, it sneaks in there. And one of those is that like, you do not need to respect your partner's need for separation because you, your job, your spiritual duty is always to win them back. No matter how much you have subjected them to before. Anyways, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop ranting quite as much. <laughs> I doubt it, but let's move on. <laughs> this movie got in my brain. <laughs> yeah. I, it feels very personal. He's then he goes and sees his dad again, and his of his dad is like, "This is the real work." And then he gives him another Jesus pitch, and then Kirk Cameron. This is a really odd thing. So there's see, Kirk Cameron is sitting in the shadow of that large mysterious cross, ranting for several yes. minutes, and the viciousness is really effective about like he doesn't need this, God hasn't been anywhere, blah blah blah, and then immediately he, I I I wrote this down. Yeah. Because his dad asks, Caleb, why are you so frustrated with Catherine? And he goes, she's stubborn. She makes everything difficult for me. She's ungrateful. She's con constantly griping about something. Like, he has a full-on Anakin Skywalker meltdown in this moment. <laughs> like, this man is about 30 seconds away from she, whipping out a machete and children, killing like some Sam. summer campers. <laughs> she's irritating. It gets everywhere. So now, Zach, we arrive at the moment. The moment that we've all been waiting for. 
Kirk Cameron is about to get saved. This is just so odd to me. He has spent the entire movie not interested. He knows a bunch of Christians. His dad and mom are Christians. Well, it's because he's learned to try, Zach. He was trying, and that opened his heart. And now he realizes that the reason he can't love his wife, this is what his dad says, is because he doesn't know what love is. Because the only way we can know what love is, is salvation. Yeah, and he just immediately decides to become a Christian. And it, it, it doesn't track at all. For a movie that, like, I kind of got more out of than I was expecting, all the Christian yeah, well, shit. You just, just fucking love Kirk Terrible. Cameron. That, that's all this is. <laughs> this is just about your weird obsession. You know, I late at night up up watching Growing Pains. You watch Growing Pains the way Kirk, Kirk Cameron watches pornography. I watch Growing Pains the way Kirk Cameron watches Growing Pains. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's somehow much more graphic. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so Kirk Cameron has his come to Jesus moment. Also, just brief side note, I uh, love what this says about every non-believer who's married. Like all of their marriages are illegitimate. They don't know what love is. So how can they express it? Like keeping it exceedingly normal, guys. Yeah, every, this, every, uh, this is what Christians think every non-Christian marriage is like. So then uh, he has been saved and we pretty much go immediately to Kirk Cameron talking to his best friend being like i'm on that jesus train now and then again in in kirk cameron's continuing inability to communicate anything to his wife he does not tell his wife that he's had this spiritual awakening (laughs) the first person he tells is his best buddy who he communicates everything with he's actually a fairly effective communicator he's an (laughs) asshole but he says what he's fucking thinking and feeling just never to her i mean we said it not in a judgmental way they're a much better partnership absolutely so and then we learn a reveal from the best friend the best friend has been married before oh, yes this was one of my favorite parts of the movie yeah the best friend he kirk's like well your marriage is so great you don't know what it's like to have a hard marriage and like the music comes in just like and and his friend's like i wish that was true man but and then I, had a previous marriage yeah i actually thought this was awesome they gave like that's a reveal man and he's like well okay so th- i have two things to say here one this character almost gets to be a character and that's great i love that uh so often the friend never gets to be anything other than sassy see the nurses in this movie oh man uh, <laughs> but two the way that he's confessing mm-hmm. to a previous marriage you would think that he was like confessing to like running over his childhood child because he was drinking in, in, in the driveway. Like he says it like he has just got so much shame about it. And that is not good. That's not like no. a good character moment. That's a man with a very unhealthy understanding of what like marriage is. We go back to wife with not hot doctor. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. She's talking about her literally mute mother with him complaining about the lack of money and resources for him while she works at a hospital. Yeah, no, no, like, no systemic analysis of this ever. It's just like, man, it's a shame we don't have $24,000 hanging around even though we do. God, this really must suck for people who don't have a shitty husband with lots of money in the bank. <laughs> and that, I only bring that up to say it will come up again. Mm-hmm. So then we get the second action scene of this movie, Michael. Oh, man. The other emergency I think you need to take us through this one because this was your action scene. This one, I don't know. This one got to me. Uh, let's see. So there's a fire. 
There yeah. is a child inside of the fire. Kirk Cameron is like yelling jargon. And he, as the fire chief, runs into the fire to save this child. Does he have anyone with him when he does that? Uh, I think at first, and then the person, uh, like some, the fire collapses something and the person has to run out. So he ends up alone in the house. Okay, so he's alone in the house saving this child. They're in a room. He pulls out an axe. Yes. He pulls out an axe. He stares at yes, it. he does. He stares at it and he, he looks at the floor and he says, this is what it's all been for. This is what all my, my baseball bat to the uh, trash can training was for. And he starts axing a hole through the floor so that he can carry this kid to safety. It's so awesome. It's so It's the awesome. redemption of rage. He is the Israelite tribe that was inclined toward violence. So God appointed them as the protectors of the other tribes. And God redeemed their sinful desire for violence into spiritual work that they could do. I have heard that sermon. And this is what I'm telling you. Kirk Cameron is that Israelite tribe. He is a man of rage, a man inclined toward violence. But now he uses that violence for good. The name of that tribe was the Sith, He's, by the way. Twist ending. Yeah. Uh, He's not Taxi Driver. He's Taxi Driver 2, where uh, uh, Travis Bickle just, like, turns it all around. I think Taxi Driver 1's about a hero, but, like, let's not get into that argument again. Okay. All right. Enough of your reactionary art love, Allard. (laughs) Um, So, anyways, he he axes a hole through this hardwood floor. (laughs) You know, like one does. Very cool. Uh, Good thing he's been doing all those, like, uh, low-weight workouts this whole time. This is what it was all for. He carries this child through a crawl space, Mm -hmm. which, shout out to crawl spaces more verisimilitude i i miss having a crawl space from my days in the south uh and the crawl space appears to be i don't know approximately 500 yards long (laughs) because there's just this incredibly long sequence where he's just he's just crawling he's just crawling as he like holds a child and he's just getting progressively closer to the light but never quite there and this goes on for like solidly a minute just a minute of crawling I, I felt invested. Yeah, and, and Zach was like, Zach was like, and it was fucking awesome. It, I'm just so used to Christian movies half-assing it, that like over-assing it, I'm super here for. So that was cool. And then he ends up at the same hospital being treated by Hot Doctor for his injuries. Yes, not Hot Doctor is there caring for his first degree burns. And I have to say, Kirk Hammond looks great. He's like covered in soot, but he's like in, in like a sexy way. Yeah, his his uh, injuries basically uh, take on the form of being Aragorn. <laughs> like, oh, he's 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 a little dirty from all that time on the road. Mm. It 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 he glows up from getting injured. He's got that like Tom yeah. Cruise Mission Impossible two scar. Like it, it looks really good. So so Catherine, his wife, shows up to check on him at the hospital, and this is the moment where like Catherine is just like refuses to comfort him or even seem excited that she's al- he's alive. Well, <laughs> she she wants him to die so she can get that sweet settlement money, get her mom the chair, marry not hot doctor, bam bam bam. Yeah, it's she a- started the fire. It's a- <laughs> this movie would that would rule in my head. That that's that's headcanon. That's that's a way better movie. Anyways, it's just it's a very funny scene because one, of course, Mr. Emotional Fair is next to Mr. Soon to be ex husband. Oh no, the drama. What's gonna happen? So she's feeling very awkward. She keeps being like, Oh, I'll I'll let you do it and the nurse is like, No, it's fine, you can stay. Like the nurse is like <laughs> no selling it super hard and it's great. I loved that. So there is one more element to this scene. She walks off and uh Kirk Cameron grabs his wedding ring. 
and Mr. Emotional Affair says, hey, hey, you should probably wait to put that that ring on until your hand is healed. Mm -hmm. And Kirk Cameron looks at him and goes, my hand's going to have to heal with this ring on my finger. It's pretty awesome. I think it's how we all learn that marriage, truthfully, is just about ignoring medical advice from professionals. Marriage is about having your uh, ring finger amputated because because you wouldn't listen. Uh, this is this is the moment that broke me. We cut back to uh, his family, and in that conversation, we realize that he's still only on day twenty three of forty. <laughs> My favorite bit, though, is so he's at home. He's injured. He's like taking some time. My favorite bit here is that like he's on the phone with his parents and he's like his mom is like worried about him. And then he's like, get off the phone. And then his dad oh, yeah. gets on he's, the phone and then he complains angry. to dad being like, I just I just don't need her like talking to me like this. Like, I, I'm going to get yeah. and she knows I'm a firefighter like he's still a dick to his mom he, this man has gone through a spiritual revolution in his soul but he can't not be a dick to his mother it's awesome for five seconds it's it's genuinely hilarious uh because it makes no sense why are you being an yeah. asshole he's just because he is so then as the last porn scene sort of so he is browsing the internet with his sort of pto and he is yeah, well and and now he's he's not looking at porn he's no. looking at both he's looking at both as you do look sometimes you just the original porn yeah <laughs> sometimes you just sit there and think about how you will support our big wet president from the seas and then a pop-up comes up michael tell me about this pop-up one the entire computer was clearly made in like 1987 oh, like this yeah. was the original ibm so this is all this is all like dos uh stuff but two it is just like a singularly unappealing image. Like she just looks unhealthy, and I just want to care for this person that yeah. pops up on the screen. It, it's much. And he reacts. It's much more akin to those ads that are like, for twenty cents a day, you can feed this starving child. Yeah, it, it's not a great look, but he reacts like he has seen. I I I don't even know what to describe. Like the Ark of the Covenant. Like <laughs> his face does melt like, off. There is like a multi-minute scene, mm -hmm. and this was like when Kirk Cameron achieves true like Nick Cage excellence. Yeah, uh, because he is talking to the computer. Yep, and it starts with hovering. The cursor is hovering. Is he gonna click? Is he gonna click on the porns? And then he gets up <laughs> out of his chair and he like angrily like shoves his chair back and he's like hanging one hand off the mantle. He's just like, why is this so hard? Um, which I assume was a reference to his penis, but. <laughs> it's the only way to read it it's like it's a very intense thing where he's just like oh i don't know if i'm gonna click this virus like it's 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 not even gonna take you to actual porn dude it's just gonna download something bad onto your computer i promise that's his actual kink it's, it's downloading viruses onto yeah, his computer it's downloading viruses onto his apple II. <laughs> it's it's downloading it's it's downloading uh it's downloading uh viruses onto his commodore so we're, we're, I'm not joking when I say this is at least a full two minutes mm -hmm. of him doing emotional battle it's pretty with cool. this pop-up. And it's very good because the pop-up is just a pop-up. It's not doing anything. It's not like, it's just him arguing with a silent computer screen. And then, Zach, how does he solve this problem? So he, he rips out the computer and he takes it outside mm -hmm. and he destroys it with a bat. That's right. Yep. It, just no more Mr. Violence. Trash Can. 
this the yeah exactly the the final redemption of his violent spirit is that now instead of hitting a trash can he's destroying their mutual property and this is like i think this speaks to something so beautiful and that like there is no uh I'm just going to choose to make better decisions about how I spend my time on the internet mm-hmm. or like if this is hard for me, I'm just going to like go for a walk instead of hanging out on a computer all day. Uh, no, he has to destroy their family computer. That is how he's going to solve this problem is by breaking things as if the problem was never in his heart. It was very simply this evil computer. Yeah, that sounds right to me. So... Uh, yep, the, na- the neighbors say he's weird. It's legitimately a laugh line. And it is very funny because, yeah, he's just he's straight up office spacing this computer. Yeah. And, and it's it's like hilarious that like these like normal old folks who are. are oh, just... and, and he says, oh, this is my favorite part. He says no more addictions. Yeah. It just leads me to wonder, like, how does Kirk Cameron solve other addictions? <laughs> like how how does a Kirk Cameron type deal with, I don't know, a heroin addict? Like, are you are you beating the heroin to death? Are you beating the addict to death? Are you beating the dealer to death? Because clearly something needs to get beaten to death. That's the only way you solve addiction. Uh, it is. It is. We're going to move past this, but it's a very good Christian and very good American solution that everything must be beaten. We must be at war yeah. uh, with everything. Yeah. So anyway, she comes back. She sees the computer is gone. Flowers in its place. I think a lit candle. Yeah, he has actual red roses now. Yeah. Because, you know, now he's trying. He has really improved. And then guess what? You think she's going to be into it. Nope. Hands him divorce papers. Bam. Yeah. So she leaves him a letter and he's so excited because she's finally going to see the light. And it turns out it's divorce papers. What what I love about this is the movie, it actually does something slightly better than most Christian movies. It actually does commit to the bit. It is like, it is really trying to keep these two apart until like the end. Um, and, and it's, I don't know if it's good, but it is, it is really determined to be like, you think he's going to get rewarded the way all men should be, but no. <laughs> like. Well, I, I okay, so I'll take I'll take your point a little bit on that that like on some level it is acknowledging the amount of harm he has done to this person mm-hmm. over the years that she is not super eager to like forgive him and she is not compelled by these like paltry affections and attempts to turn around. Uh it, I agree with that. I also think that uh they this movie maybe negs her a little bit oh it definitely that it takes her this long to do it and and rather than that just being her struggling with his bad past behavior it becomes her having an emotional affair the reason that she still wants to divorce him is not because he's an abusive shithead for the vast majority of their marriage it's because she's got a side piece and like she doesn't cheat on him but like she has an emotional side piece so she's uninvested yeah Catherine goes back to the the, the uh, goes to visit her parents and figures out that the the medical equipment the twenty four thousand dollars worth of medical equipment that uh, you know she's been talking about this entire movie has been magically paid for by a mysterious donor. Yes, it's all paid for. Her parents have the things they need. She's thrilled. The ladies thrilled. Everyone's super thrilled. And Catherine immediately thinks, "Oh, not hot doctor must have done this." And she goes to him and says, thank you so much for the money that you gave my family. And he's like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. Cool. Uh, 
it's pretty awesome. And at this point, she's ready to like throw herself at him. She is fully, fully invested in this relationship. Uh, and then Zach, what happens? So, Kirk Cameron finds a, finds a note from Hot Doctor in their house to his wife, and this is where I assume he was going to kill and wear the skin of all these people. Oh yeah. But what he does is also uh, hilariously gendered and problematic. He goes to Hot Doctor's office and confronts him. Yeah, in a totally normal guy way. And he basically holds up his hand and says, with the ring on it, and says, my hand's doing well now, and basically threatens him to step back. Yeah, yeah, he goes, by the way, thanks for helping me with my hand. My ring finger's feeling a whole lot better as he waves his fist in this man's face. Uh, like, it is, it is, one, it is the worst threat of all time. It is just so paltry and so like it's just such a like terrible attempt at intimidation like he like he rolled a a natural one on that check like he just like he just failed that miserably and two like the other guy is just so uninvested in this it's really good i love the way the doctor's just like what (laughs) i also and then kirk cameron leaves and this scene i have to be honest it's a little bit open for interpretation i wanted to get your read on it he leaves, and the oh, doctor please. opens a drawer and pulls out his own wedding ring, tries to put it on his finger, and then decides not to. Michael, has the doctor been married in the past? Is the doctor currently married? What's going on? The doctor is currently married. And he's romancing Catherine all the same. Wow. Yeah. That was that was my take anyway, is that like this guy this guy has been a sleazeball from the start. I, I think it's I think the movie's take is that like violent threats work. And if someone is co- coming after your marriage, you should threaten to beat them up. This movie never questions that Kirk Cameron is a man of violence. They only question <laughs> how he directs that violence. <laughs> Honestly. I know. It's so good. So now we get to Catherine being sick. Yeah. So Catherine is sick. Kirk Cameron is at home and he's like, she has not gone to work. And he knocks on her door and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, and she's Leave like, me nothing. Alone. I'm fine. Leave me alone, you abuser. <laughs> yeah, please get out of my space. And he's like, can I get you anything? And she's like, no, seriously, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm asking you to, I'm, I'm telling you what I want and what I need. So, you know what he does? And he, he says, okay. He does not yeah. leave her alone. <laughs> uh-huh. And so he brings her, like, soup and, like, takes care of her and all that jazz. Zach, you are missing the best part of this. He goes out. Okay. And she's like, okay, he left me alone. And then he comes back with Chick-fil-A. I missed that, actually. You missed that it was... Zachary, this is why we do not watch things on two times speed. He comes back with a Chick-fil-A bag full of Chick-fil-A brand chicken soup. Oh, man. You're making me hungry. Oh, my God. Uh, So, yes. Chick-fil-A is the thing that heals this person's marriage. And they leave the bag on the scene. Like, clearly... All of our listeners are aware Chick-fil-A run by fundamentalist assholes, blah, blah, uh, But, like, they leave the bag in the scene forever. They never name check it, but it's always there. I didn't even know Chick-fil-A had chicken noodle soup. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe this Chick-fil-A made chicken noodle <laughs> soup just for Kirk Cameron. Because when Kirk Cameron shows up to a Chick-fil-A, let me tell you, Kirk Cameron gets as many waffle fries as he wants. 
Man, um, it's good to be Kirk Cameron. But yes, the thing that heals their marriage is Chick-fil-A branded chicken noodle soup. Thank you. That makes me happy. Oh, and she su- and she sucks down a pill with lemonade, which is horrifying. I don't know why that grossed me out so much. But there like, is something like, ugh. you should not take a pill with lemonade, and I don't know why. But it, it feels like yeah, a lot of Or soda or anything. It's, it's not great. It's, Anyways, like, it's like mixing beer uh, and So, wine. Zach, what has she found? So she has also found his 40-day non-consensual adventure that he's been partaking yeah, with her. she found the love dare and she is like what day are you on and then he says 43 <laughs> twist and she's like but there's only, only 40 days he's like nobody said i had to stop then he gets on his knees and gives a teary apology Cameron's going for it. This is his this is his Oscar moment. He he admits to being selfish and saying he trampled her and and that he was a bad partner and all that jazz. Yeah, he says, I'm sorry for not doing my dishes. I'm sorry for my boat. Dude, you should be sorry that you've been abusing every household object in and around her like body for the past. Like like I'm pretty sure this dude, like being married to this dude for the majority of their relationship was just being in a circus where you're like the lady strapped to the target and he throws knives around you. Yeah, I mean this is and, and I wanna say here, uh, I think the movie abusers do apologize, but so she's 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 surprised and he's he basically says she's not ready yet and he says, Fine, take all the time you need. Then she goes back to the nurse or uh, then she is back at work and she is t- talking to the medical supply people about what her parents got and she learns twist that kirk cameron actually paid for the vast majority of her parents medical needs well yeah he paid the twenty four thousand dollars, and the yeah. doctor paid 300 which i think is also pretty funny shocker of shockers it was not actually this deeply uninvested not hot doctor that paid you know a a new car's worth of medical equipment for her family (laughs) it was her husband who would have guessed uh and she is just overwhelmed by this and this is the moment where all of her defenses break which i think is pretty funny as all for all the work that he does essentially what he does is buy his marriage back for twenty four thousand dollars which when you consider how he acted got off cheap yeah honestly and then she runs all the way back home and does what is maybe the weirdest thing in this entire super strange movie instead of going directly to her husband who she has now decided that she loves she goes home and does her makeup (laughs) what what's weird about it she's she's like crying and she's trying to make herself stop crying so she can get pretty for him because the thing that she needs to communicate to him is not oh my goodness thank you so much for this excessively exceedingly generous thing you did for my family this really demonstrates love and care it's i'm pretty again i just i was so lost at the like why this would be a step and i feel like these guys thought about it zero percent they were just like oh yeah of course i mean she's doing an apology so she got to get a mascara on. <laughs> uh, so. i was i was i thought the scene where she decided to finally shave her legs was uh was, was like again had a lot of verisimilitude and so anyways she, she goes, uh, bring she this puts, home for me alec she puts the ring back on as well she goes to the firehouse mm-hmm. yeah. and and the best friend herds the firefighters away the from being looky lose and they they share a passionate kiss silhouetted by the street 
she has her say anything moment here where she's like, if I haven't told you you're a good man, you are. If I haven't told you I forgive you, I do. And then she says, I something has changed in you and whatever it is, I want it. And then Kirk Cameron's like, so it's Jesus. At which point she, you know, pre get saved, I guess. She like agrees to get saved before they kiss. Mm-hmm. She has to sign a contract of faith. Yeah, like all kisses. Like, That's how kisses work, Michael. One, the thesis of this movie is that missionary dating works, which is super weird because all my youth group leaders told me it was a bad idea. Uh, missionary works. Uh, they only like, think it works if you, uh, if you date people that were in your youth group. And then they kiss. And this is where we can maybe talk about the fact that the person that Kirk Cameron is kissing in this scene is not actually the actress he's been playing opposite this entire movie. Mm-hmm. It's his in real life wife because he decided that he is unwilling to kiss even in, while acting anyone that is not his actual wife because holiness. Uh, and this became a national flashpoint in the marketing of this movie. He went on the today show to talk to Kathy Lee about this. Like there was a whole segment about how they like shot the kiss in silhouette so that he could honor his marriage in this moment, which I guess means that he thinks that anyone that's ever kissed anyone on stage or screen is having an affair. You know, if the history of film has taught me anything though. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's what I think. Fair enough. Here's what I think. Fair enough. Kirk Cameron watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith and thought, man, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, they're really, they're really good there. I hope that, that nothing happens to them because that would really upset me. And then Brad Pitt uh, marries Angelina Jolie and he thinks, I could never kiss another woman. I think it's that simple. I think uh, what Kirk Cameron experienced was being a child actor in Hollywood. And he maybe rightly set up a lot of barriers to prevent any of that shit from happening okay. to him. Like Kirk Cameron is wrong about everything, but he might not be wrong about Hollywood. He, no, Kirk Cameron, let me tell you what, gets Christianity wrong from the ground up he might get Hollywood more right than most people I've known in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is this like very funny moment of like fundamentalism that like not just became like, it's really weird to me that both Kirk Cameron made this personal decision, which whatever, I think it's silly, but it's fine. But then that it also became a huge part of how they sold this movie to people that like, this became not just a personal decision Kirk Cameron makes. This becomes an example to the world, part of the marketing about like what faithful marriage looks like. Yeah, it's. I think it's actually really canny and interesting because they actually, I was expecting to be more distracted by that final kiss. But the way they shoot it, you actually can't tell, which I thought was was impressive. So like they made, they didn't just like have a flaw and decide to like paper over it. They saw this as an opportunity to like talk about like how this is made then we kind of have a montage uh where we see things are improving they walk over to the cross together which i think implies she's saved now because anyone who gets near that cross yeah yeah so the- it's like a witch circle like you were <laughs> yeah, immediately uh- enchanted <laughs> yes. oh my god yes yeah it's a cantrip <laughs> like, honestly it's, though, it's- i'm kind of wondering if it's like a reverse uh, that Warcrux. cross that cross is a mind flare <laughs> then i think there's one more important thing dad comes up to him and he's having a scene with his dad kirk cameron's having a scene with his dad and he's like i knew you wouldn't listen if i if i hadn't written you the book yes but your mom actually did this to me 
And so Kirk yeah, Cameron. I was not the one doing the love dare to my wife. Uh, your mom did the love dare to me. And so Kirk Cameron has to go apologize to his mom for being just an unmitigated asshole to her for two hours. For for the entire duration of this movie, he has been such a little shit. And now he has to like, you know, tears in his eyes. This is another capital like letters, Kirk Cameron acting Mm -hmm. moment TM. Like, and he is just so upset at how much of a douchebag he is. And the mom's just like, it's okay, honey. (laughs) <laughs> it's so good it's so weird uh, I mean it's a story about a man who has unhealthy relationships to every woman in his life yeah 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 no 100% this is a story about about an incel who learns to love like <laughs> I mean listen in many ways that is a hopeful story we we need that for these people <laughs> so yeah now his wife is saved he has apologized to his mom for being a huge douchebag for uh, presumably his entire life. Uh, and then they have a rededication ceremony offici- officiated by the director of the movie. That's so cool. And the movie ends. Yep. And it just goes out on that moment. The end. Fireproofed that marriage. So, Michael. They got divorced six months later. What did we learn? That's a very good question, Zach. Okay. No, uh, First of all, I'm going to say it's much more of a real movie than a lot of these. Like, characters do change. They do what have What do you arcs. mean by a real movie? Okay, so here's actually what I mean. When I actually look at something like God's Not... Like, I mean on, like, a structural, creative level. Like, yeah. So you're talking about the craft of this movie. Yeah. Like, it is a movie with characters who change, who arguably want things who and then there's some, like, action sequences. It, like, actually... Like, it's not good, of course, but it actually has the patina of a story in a way that something like God's Not Dead or Kirk Cameron Saves Christmas uh, or a lot or even frankly even Jeremy Campus movie don't have. The Kendrick brothers clearly have a slightly better grasp of the craft of movie making than the Pure Flix guys. Like that much is clear and especially I think there's also something to be said for the sort of like uh, shambolic DIY nature of what they're doing that lends it some charm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are really excited to be here in a way that like Kevin Sorbo is never going to bring to a God's Not Dead. Like, oh man, uh, Kevin like, Sorbo wanted to be anywhere but the set of God's Not Dead. And so there, there is something just sort of like joyful in some of the performances, even as the actual topic is anything but. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's like, really well said. If I could try to bring this home, maybe, Zach, you have more thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think this movie does t- two things. One really well and one really badly. One, it says, hey, you should care for your partner in marriage, you stupid idiot. And I think there's something <laughs> good there. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's the Jordan Peterson and the incels thing. Like, yeah, this is exceedingly problematic, but at least you're trying to fix the incels. Somebody has to do it. Like, <laughs> you know. It's speaking into a world that is highly patriarchal and it's saying like, hey, like care for your spouse. You know, we didn't talk about it that much, but a huge part of uh, of uh, his transformation is that he starts doing chores. Like that's it. Like he just starts doing dishes and their marriage starts to heal. Somebody needs to tell the Christian dudes that like they're not learning it anywhere else. So I'm here <laughs> for it. But the thing that I, I think it also does, you know, this, this was a non-consensual process for the most part. She mm-hmm. said she wanted a divorce and he successfully ignored her for 43 days plus a couple more until he won her heart back. And I think that's really problematic. 
I think it stems out of the thing that this movie very much believes but is always silent on, which is headship. This movie is steeped in the idea that the reason this guy is such a huge asshole is because he is not the spiritual leader of his marriage. And the thing that he needs to do is take control. And it never says that. It's very canny about never saying that. But like the non-consensuality of this whole process, the fact that he doesn't communicate to his wife what his needs are or how he's going to try to meet hers, the fact that he just starts doing things to and for her and also kind of at her and getting mad when she doesn't reciprocate. Like, this is all, like, highly patriarchal shit. And, yeah, on some level, this movie is trying to detoxify that. But it also never wants to take a step of ever evaluating, like, hmm, maybe the patriarchal way we set up marriages is really unhealthy. And instead of building a better patriarchy, maybe we need to build something else. And if you go to, you know, the website for this church, they are full-on Baptist faith and message, complementarianism all the way down. We don't really have time to get to it, but one of the big proponents of this movie was this San Antonio film festival that was run by the Quiverful guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his, and you know, they, they propagated this movie all over the place because they loved its values. Turns out that guy guy was a horrific sex pest we we really like we can do a whole separate episode on that motherfucker but like this is the soft nice face of complementarianism but it never tries to ever address the problems inherent in creating all of these christian marriages it's so desperate to fix yeah i think that's really well said uh kirk cameron is always the actor here you know the wife is put in that it's assumed if you treated her right, you she will want respond and want to be in the marriage. That like she yeah. is in that way kind of objectified and treated kind of like a well, house yeah. plant. Her her only agency is that she denies him for so long. Yeah. And but it's 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 assumed that like the only thing that can be happening in the marriage is his fault and that if he fixes it, everything will be fine. She is it is, she is literally treated as like a house plant or object that if you tend correctly, will go okay and uh she's a salt shaker she's a rose she's a thousand other terrible metaphors but they're none of them people and i i think it's kind of a bizarre sometimes entertaining movie but that is still ultimately rooted in this conception of marriage as the sort of husband's duty and game and women as the sort of participants therein speaking of objectifying people hello kirk cameron he always he always looks good. Um, let's bring this home, Michael. This was a good. This was a good one. Yeah, thanks. It was. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing this. If you enjoyed it, or if you have any thoughts on it, because this was a phenomenon that reached out and affected lots of people's lives, probably in some not so positive ways. You can always reach out to us at crappychristians at gmail.com or shoot us a line at www.shittychristians.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. You can also reach out and find us on Twitter. I am at Michael Tabor. And I am at Zachary underscore Allard. Or you could follow our pod shenanigans as we troll evangelical right-wing types at at shitty underscore pod. We've been having a lot of fun on that. So check us out there. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do enjoy it. I hope everyone is uh, staying safe and where possible staying in the streets. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done. Thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Hope you're all doing well. This has been Shitty Christians. (laughs) 